The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Father, search us and know us. Some of us, we don't slow down anymore. We don't stop and pray. We don't know what to say anymore, or we find the silence or the slowing down scary. We've uh, sunk into a rhythm of business as usual. We hear the promises that you have of forgiveness, of redemption, of justification, of being free and. Uh, just kind of assume that's for somebody else, not for us. I pray that you will help us be fearless this morning. By faith in you, be fearless um, to, to what's going on in us and to be people who are marked by the fruit of the Spirit, who are loving, we are patient, we are kind. Because we've let you clean us out and purify us. We've received your forgiveness. And we can move on to fearlessness. God, I pray that that will be true for all of us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been stolen from. And what has been taken cannot be replaced with money. It is your very life that has been lost. Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. This sermon series will show how your life was lost and how Jesus can restore a new and full life. These eight principles are also called the road to recovery and part of Celebrate Recovery. We hope that many of you who find new life in Christ will choose to help others be restored to life through Celebrate Recovery at the Coffee Oasis. Now, we've we've come through a couple steps. We've come through, I'm not God. We've come acknowledging who God is. We've committed ourselves to Christ. And as we come to confessing to God, What we're really talking about is taking out the garbage. And there are so many great illustrations when it comes to taking out garbage. <laughs> I mean, even this morning, my wife and I were driving to church, and I, I said, man, and not even thinking about how it related to the sermon, but I said, hey, do you notice how much more garbage is on the highway right now? And, and as you start noticing, and it is, both of us remember, I remember my experience in Honduras. Hannah remembered hers in, in Kenya where, where you just, it's noticeable kind of the, the lack of garbage getting picked up. And, and it's very noticeable now if you're driving between Fallsbo and Bremerton, the amount just of garbage uh, on the side of the road. It's embarrassing. The average person in America says it gets rid of about four and a half, 4.4 pounds of trash a day, which... Maybe seems like a, a lot, maybe doesn't, but if you add that up, that is about 63,000 uh, trash trucks, garbage trucks full every day um, in America alone, 63,000. That's 
a lot of tons. Um, about over 5 trillion of that has worked its way into our oceans. 70% of that just sinks. 15% floats, and you have these floating islands, right? 15% lands somewhere on our beaches. We just, we have this garbage problem, right? If you're just talking purely naturally, we don't know what to do with it, or we are irresponsible with it, and all of a sudden, it just, it exists, right? And oftentimes, they record that in plastics, because some of it can biodegrade, but a lot of it, especially if it's plastics, just exists. We have it says over 128 million pieces of that little plastic debris just floating in space right now. We're like, we, it's not just an earth issue, it's literally a cosmic issue now as we don't know what to do with it. And, but even with that, that you know, uh, one step removed makes us scared, but there is more fear when you maybe even open your own fridge, right? There's no trash issues like when you decide to move and you realize the crap you've collected or the things that the lasagna from last year that's worked its way into the back of your fridge and you just don't smell it anymore. Right? That's the worst part. <laughs> you get used to the junk in your life and you're like, you know, you don't see the black mold anymore. It's like that, like you don't even know it's lettuce anymore because it's just slime. Have you seen that? When, when your lettuce actually becomes like like a goo. Yeah. I mean, we have trash issues, as we know. But I'm not speaking merely about all that. I'm really talking, as you can imagine, as you probably expect, about our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. The, the things, the waste, the toxins that we let seep into our soul over time, and we don't know what to do with. There's a a verse that speaks so vividly of this in Proverbs, and it says, above all, guard your heart, for from it flows life itself, or from it flows the wellspring of life. And there's an old saying that says, if you want to keep the spring clean, or if you want to keep water clean, you got to keep the hogs out of the spring, right? And that's the same thing they're talking about here. If you want to keep your life clean, you got to Keep the waste, keep the hogs, keep the toxins out of your heart. But when I'm talking to you now, probably a lot of us go, well, it's already there. How do I get it out? I, I, I've come through some of this, this, these steps that we've gone on together. Like, I know I'm not God. <laughs> I've already admitted that fully. I, I believe that there is a God. I believe he's real. I believe there's a holy God, righteous God. And then I, I want to commit myself to Jesus, but I still am experiencing the leeching of toxins in my soul. I see things happening in my heart or in my mind, and I just can't, can't get past it. Well, this is what we're talking today when we talk about confessing to God. How do we deal with the garbage that, that remains, that persists, that we just don't know what to do, that, that consistently gives us hurt and our habits we can't get rid of? Well, before we get into this, and what we're going to do is we're going to unpack in 1 John, verses 5 to 9. But before we get there, I want to kind of bring us all on the same page by, by uh, asking and answering two questions. The first is, who needs to confess? And the second is, how does confession work? I think that's a great starting point. And for that, I want to read for you Romans 3.23. If you've been a Christian for any period of time or anyone's 
you know, like witness to you. This is a, a verse that just stands out there. And it, it, this is it. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Now, oftentimes when you hear it, it's just kind of one part of it's taken out from the rest, which is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But before that, it's, it's helpful for especially those who were receiving this in Rome or, or anyone who would consider themselves a Jew as they're processing Jesus who came as a, as a fulfilled promise of an Old Testament Jewish Messiah. And so they might be thinking, man, well, this seems like it's just for a certain group of people. But it starts by saying, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all of sin. So what's this saying is, it is the same for Jew, Gentile, every ethnicity, every nation, every age, every gender, all people fall under this umbrella, which is sin, all have sinned. Now, what is sin? And, and if you've heard any sermon about this, they probably, probably talk about missing the mark. Because if you've like aimed at something and your arrow is like, Foo, and you're like, keep shooting. It's like, Foo, you know, and you're like, I'm just I'm terrible at this. Right? But, I, but even the idea of us like getting more accurate isn't correct. If, if we're going to talk about sin, it's that there is a target. There is goodness, righteousness, holiness. And we don't even exist in the same planet as that target. Right? <laughs> like... <laughs> Because of the fall, because all have fallen in the fall of Adam and Eve, all of us are born and exist apart from God and apart from the holiness of God. All of us grow up with no ability to be completely accurate. And we feel it. It's amazing how, how often, and I come across this, especially with my work with Coffee, people hate the idea of being sinners even if they don't believe in Jesus and don't believe in sin. Because to have the idea brought up that we have missed the mark, it just frustrates us. And it unearths something in us that is just deeply integral, inherent to who we are as human beings. We feel deeply that we are off track, but we're frustrated that we don't know how to get back on track. And no matter what we do, no matter what book we read, no matter what happens, we're like, man, I can't get, I can't hit the mark. I'm frustrated. I'm deeply, deeply frustrated. And sin is frustrating. It's not just frustrating. We feel like it's damning, and it is, but we don't know how to get out from under it because all are there. All have sinned. Well, that is the bad news. And that's why the gospel is good news, right? The gospel literally means good news. Everybody has received that bad news. But the good news is this. Listen to this but are justified freely by his grace. Justified means can be forgiven and have no more sin, just as if I'd never sinned. Can be justified freely by his grace, by his love, through the redemption that comes by Jesus. And so redemption literally means he's taking you from not even being in the room of the target, and he places you right in front of it and is like, here's the arrow, let's shove it in together. He's like, like, I'm going to redeem you, you're mine, we're doing this together now. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. 
That atonement simply means that that one moment when Jesus died, all our sins, all who put our faith in him, our sins are taken care of. Hallelujah. That's the good news, right? So who needs to confess? All need to confess. How does this work? It works because Jesus paid the price for our sins, right? This is just the simple gospel message. Well, now let's start at the beginning. How do we make this practical? How do you and I, who probably some of us are just so frustrated still by our hurts and our habits and our hangups, how do we get to the, the place of living in the freeing work of Jesus? Well, it starts at the beginning. Principle one, I am not God. It starts by realizing I am not God and I admit that I am powerless to control my tendencies. Principle two, God is real. Earnestly, earnestly believe that God exists and that I matter to him and that he has the power to help me recover, or, or I think even strongly, he has the power to redeem me. Right? Uh, principle three, which we looked at last week, commit to Christ. Now because of all of that, because I see God having power and me being powerless, I commit myself and all my life to Christ's care and control. Now once we have done this, Christ begins this incredible work in us. Incredible work, but painful work. Right? The, the surgery, that scalpel of Jesus to, to remove our sins is painful. John 16, 8 says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict us of what? Of our sin of righteousness and judgment. And that's why it takes this fearlessness of faith to step into that. The conviction that comes that makes us, even knowing Christ, desperate, going, man, what do I do? Well, we confess. This is the step we're taking today. We confess. So today, we're going to learn how to get rid of that garbage. You ready for it? Okay, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know who said that, but love your passion. Uh, 1 John... Uh, five to nine. If we can get that up on the screen, I'm going to read it through and then we'll, we'll dig into it. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and the truth and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, there's a couple things we're going to cover today, and um, to make it helpful for you, it's going to go kind of three, two, one. The first is the three directions of confession, and then the second is the two promises of confession, and then one faithful, forgiving friend. So the three directions of confession that we see here are, very simply, think of it this way, we have upward, we have inward, and we have outward. Our upward confession is our confession to a holy God. And we get this right in the beginning. God is light. And in him there is no darkness. Light 
here is being used to describe the holiness and absolute purity of God. It says in 1 Timothy 6.16, God alone is immortal and lives in unapproachable light. Now, again, there's just a, so many ways to think through this, this metaphor that's being used. But, um, and you can think of right, being just blinded in a room. But I think of this last week I went with uh, Nate and Zach and Aaron, and we, we uh, hiked up, not all the way up, but we were hiking Mount Rainier. And it's amazing how much more um, prepared you have to be for the sun when you even just get up to where you can drive and then you hike a little more. And every step, the danger of you burning and burning severely is so much more, even though you're standing on planet Earth, right? So it's just incredible. The, the, the closer you get to the sun, step by step by step, how more really genuinely unapproachable the sun itself is. And that is what it is like approaching God. We in our sin cannot stand on our own account before God. The closer and closer we get, the more and more we feel, I don't belong here. I can't stand in God's presence. It's because of the holiness of God. And our response, the response God has given us, is prayer. That is simply it. When we, when we just don't feel, it's like, it's like we're throwing it at God. And, and in that, he is close. He is near to those who cry his name. And this beautiful story is told in the book of Luke 18 is of this tax collector, this guy who just right, felt like, man, I can never walk into the temple. I couldn't, be re- I couldn't relate with my people, the Jewish people anymore. But he goes in and it says he's kind of standing at a distance and he, he cries out to God, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He doesn't feel like he belongs there, but his cry is simply that. This this lifeline God has given him and everyone who comes to God, to a holy God, this lifeline of prayer. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it says, um, this man goes away justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the first direction of confession is to the one, to God, who lives in unapproachable light, and yet he's given us the way through earnest prayer to do this. Now, the second way is inward, learning to come to terms with our own sin and confess that after we've admitted to God, confessing that to ourselves. And this is what they call a fearless inventory. Have you guys ever noticed what happens when you stop noticing your bad habits? When you stop noticing your bad habits, <laughs> sorry to be so honest, but you just become really annoying to the people around you. Like, here's and me, right? All of us, not just you. I'm not, I'm not pointing at you, but like, we just stop noticing and we're like, and we just live in that place and we're just unaware. <laughs> Like, and we need to do some work and be, and, but what happens then is, and this is like, it's so sadly funny when you're in a marriage and this happens because it's not that you haven't stopped noticing what your spouse does. <laughs> and it's not that you haven't stopped mentioning it, right? <laughs> you're like, you're like I, gosh, if, if they could only, 
live with the discipline. <laughs> and if it's not true, like, but this inward looking, this honesty, this, and, and the word here really would be the humility, having the humility to see what's going on in ourselves. Have you noticed how some lives decrease rather than increase? Some are more withdrawn, more selfish, more isolated, more judgmental, more fearful, more easily angered. How does that happen? How do we become those people? How do we become people who just stop caring how the way we live affects others? It is because we collect trash. We collect hurts, habits, hang-ups. And what it says here in 1 John is that we are deceiving ourselves who think that we are without sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so that's where inward, the first is like, man, how do we live before God with this? How do we live inwardly acknowledging this to ourselves? And it is through the language given us in in. Celebrate recovery is fearless inventory, but it, it, the words of scripture is stop deceiving yourself. <laughs> like, t- and that's why Jesus points it out in really funny ways, like don't look at the speck in someone else's eye when you have a plank in your own eye. If you judge someone, you are judging yourself in that same way. Man, how many of us are super good at being like, can I get that for you? Mm. <laughs> and we're just covered in boards, right? The third step is outward confession, honesty. And, and the language for this in Celebrate Recovery is sponsor. And we're not going to dive fully into this because I want to get to this later. But it, it, in 1 John 5, 7... First uh, John 1, 5, 7, it says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from sin. If we start living honestly, right, in, that the, in view of the holiness of God and confession to him, in humility, we live in confession even with ourselves, and then in honesty, live in confession with other people. It says we have fellowship with one another. We have genuine Christ-like friendships. Now, like I said, I'll unpack that one more, but as we look at these, I don't know if this necessarily becomes uh, less fearful in that uh, you are putting yourself out there in the act of confession. But what, what God does in 1 John 1 is he connects these confessions with a promise. And the promise is twofold. Listen, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, it's scary to, to take that step. To walk towards a holy God, a holy God who is not deceived, is not tricked by our sin, but knows it completely. It's, it's scary to start being honest with ourselves and, and, and admit things that have been done to us and things that we have done to other people. 
things that we have never spoken of. That is very scary. So God gives us two promises as a result of our confession, and it is forgiveness and purity. He will forgive our sins, and we will purify us from all unrighteousness. And the difference between these is this, that forgiveness looks at what has happened, what has happened in the past, and it says, that's done. That's over. You're forgiven. I'm not going to consider that anymore. How many of us have a hard time getting rid of anything, let alone getting rid of the hurts and habits and hang-ups that we're holding on to? We almost feel the need to beat ourselves up over and over and over again, thinking by feeling bad or condemning ourselves that somehow we're going to make up for it. And Jesus speaks over us in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. All those things are gone and forgiven. So forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. The one who is faithful and just forgives us going, you're not condemned for those things anymore. The past is gone. That's what forgiveness is. And then he looks ahead and he says, for the purity, the purifying of unrighteousness, it says the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You're no longer condemned for the things you have done, the things you're holding on to, you're forgiven, and you are starting again with a clean slate. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The new is here. Those are the two promises. They aren't the two ifs or maybes or uh, they're the you are guaranteed these things if you come and confess to Jesus. They are yours. Get rid of the trash. Right? Now, it's not like you get rid of it and it hangs out in the garage, which oftentimes does happen at my house. Right? No, it's like it's gone. You can't find it anymore in the garage. Right? You might go around, you're like, oh, it's actually given to goodwill. Right? Like that, you, when, you, when you come to Jesus, he's like, that's gone. That is gone, gone, gone. Stop holding on to it. Stop looking at pictures of it. Right? And so the last thing is this, and this is so helpful for our journey, and it's finding one faithful, forgiving friend. It is that fellowship that comes for those who are living in confession together. And when I say one faithful friend, it's because it's really hard to find more. Some of you might find more, but I'm just making that goal one, okay? And, and the words here, faithful, forgiving friend, which I love. I think instead of saying sponsor, you should say, I just need one faithful, forgiving friend, right? Because this faithfulness is important. In James 5, 16, it says, confess your sins to other, each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. That faithfulness are those who will point you back to Jesus. The people who will pray for you. Now you're going to find a lot of friends in your life who are willing to gossip with you, blame other people with you, or wallow in your trash. Amen? Like the world is full of those people who are like, oh yeah, those other people, they are terrible and you are awesome, right? Like you don't need that person in your life. That person needs to be thrown out with the trash. Like you just need to get rid of that person. You don't need a wallower, right? 
That's, our, that's, our, that's not your faithful, forgiving friend. You need the person who's going to point you to Jesus. Relentlessly point you to Jesus. I know how bad you are, but you know how good Jesus is? You need that kind of friend. Right? Like, I'm hearing you. I'm not, I'm not making it easy on you, but Jesus, it wasn't easy on him, right? The cross wasn't easy. You don't have to bear your own sins on the cross. Jesus did, thankfully, like, have that friend who's going to keep telling you the gospel story. Relentlessly telling you the gospel story. Not coming up with new things, but keeping pointing you to Jesus. That is faithfulness in friendship. And the second thing is a forgiving friend. You need someone who understands grace. Who You, you come to them ten times or seventy times, seven times, and they're going to keep saying, grace really is that good. Like, the love of God really is that good. God is not surprised. His grace didn't run out. That is what forgiveness is. They aren't holding, at some point, your sins against you. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is what? It's done. It is gone. It can't be found in the garage or any corner of my heart because God has done away with it, right? You need a faithful, forgiving friend. And, and the word friend here is important. Now, this is different than a therapist or a pastor, and I think both those are good things, right? I think if you have a therapist, great. If you have a pastor, great. But this is different than that. This is a different sort of relationship. Now, I hope we're friends. But if you find that one faithful, forgiving friend, I can't be everyone's faithful, forgiving friend, right? Neither can any of the elders of the church. You need to find those people that you can. Someone who isn't a professional friendship, it takes time to develop. You need somebody who can be on like 2 a.m. speed dial. That's a friend. Now, there's going to be people you call at 2 a.m. and they are going to block your number. Right? They're just going to be like, man, I didn't know we were like that level. But you, you do need people in your life that you're wrestling with. A, a habit has like jumped up again and you're like, man, can you talk this through with me? There are people in life like that, but it, it takes time. My deepest friendships are ones that have taken years to develop. And I will tell you, this is probably the best thing anyone can know coming to a church is like, church is not a friendship factory. You don't come in, I'm like, okay, you have this blood type and this person has this blood, like you have this personality trait, this, you know, like I, we can't do that. This is a great place to find faithful friends but that takes time and work. It takes calling, giving your number out a lot of times, many times going to lunch with people and finding someone who you're like, man, I love doing life with this person. That does take time, but it is worth the work to find a faithful, forgiving friend. So to summarize really quick, three directions of confession. Upward to a holy God. One who does live in unapproachable light, but he's given us the way, the means through prayer to approach him. Inward, making a fearless inventory of our lives, to be honest with ourselves at what's going on, to find that sponsor or the faithful friend, right, who we, we can go to and confess. And, and that is one of the things that I think is so helpful is in, think of the first two, upward and inward, oftentimes that involves us keeping our mouth shut. We're doing a lot of internal brain work. There is something to finding that faithful friend and being able to speak audibly out to them. Release it, right? So helpful. 
And that's why I think in, in James, where it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed, it's very healing to not just have that be a mental work, right? But start including your voice in it and the rest of yourself in it. The two promises of confession, the promise of forgiveness and the promise of purity. Now, some of you, even hearing those promises, will continue thinking, will keep persistently thinking that God has gotten tired with you. You cannot be further from the truth. God is tireless. God's love is unconditional. God's grace has no end to those who come and confess to him. That confession, when you bring it to him, God isn't like, well, have we, you know, have you gotten better? No, God's like, you come to me to get better. You, you walk with Jesus to get better. You are empowered by the Spirit to walk in healing. God is tireless. So, make that fearless inventory. I encourage you this week, in the safety of Romans 8.1, knowing that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, write down specific memories, specific people, specific feelings, specific hurts, specific impact that it's made on your life, ways that you are marked by the waste or the toxins that have been in your heart and soul. Write it down. Be specific. In the safety of Romans 8.1, knowing that God is with you, he is for you, he's inviting your confession. And, and do that. Confess them. Hold this fearless inventory up to God, to yourself, and to a faithful, forgiving friend. And then let go of it. Let it be gone. Today, you have the opportunity to break free from the chains that hold you of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Because if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And, and if you're like me, we are needing that renewal day after day after day. Coming to Christ, letting him restore us, restore our soul, letting him sing over us. He longs for you to come to him for that. So, before I, I, I pray, I'm going to introduce communion and what that is, and then I'll pray for us. Uh, communion is affirming the two promises of confession. Hear that? Communion is affirming the two promises of confession, that if we come to Jesus because of his blood, because of his sacrifice for us, that we can have forgiveness and purity. And so as you take the elements today, the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you, you're taking that, trusting the promise of God that in him you have forgiveness and are pure. So with that, uh, pray with me. And then I invite you to, um, uh, I believe there will be someone over here, uh, Ibrahim or someone else, there to pray for you if you would like, like that. So pray with me. <clears throat> Dear God, you know our past, all the good and the bad things that we've done. We ask that you give us the strength and courage to list them so that we can come clean and face them and the truth of who we are. 
Please help us to reach out to others whom you have placed along our road to recovery, our road to redemption. Thank you for providing them to us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.